Dogecoin. Hell yeah. Dogecoin. Do they have Dogecoin futures on your uh, Cletus trading platform yet? Uh, you know, Dogecoin, I'm sitting in front of a Bloomberg terminal right now. And I don't know if you can you can get anything typically on a Bloomberg terminal, but uh, I've never tried to search for the Doge, trying to avoid the Doge. Uh, it's is it still in the top 10 i um yeah i'm that's been the fun part about this rally though is uh bitcoin's sort of left a lot of things in the dust i mean there's certain there's certain tokens like solana and stuff that's kept up but i i mean doge is at 12 cents uh it's at a five billion dollar uh, oh sorry an 18 billion dollar market cap yeah you know dogs oh, yeah. are dogs are still for sale <laughs> you can why buy a real dog when you just get a dogecoin current market cap of transocean let me just check here oh god 3.8 billion okay 3.8 billion no i just like to benchmark that against uh crypto assets sometimes <laughs> right right a shitty a shitty uh uh offshore driller versus a shitty shitcoin it's an interesting relative value trade I just I hate this market. I don't like this up only stuff. Uh, we've we're substantially underperforming what we did last year, even though we've been super long Japan out of the gate. We have been long Nvidia. I've been long nice. Cosby. I mean, I'm short uh, Korea, but long Cosby actually has a. A product, the, the, the Cosdac 150, which is supposed to mimic our NASDAQ, but oddly enough, doesn't include Samsung in that because Samsung is a broader based stock anyway. The biggest question in my mind is going to determine the trend over the next in the broader markets, if that's what I'm here to commentate on, is over the next quarter, are people going to go in and fill the gaps? And I don't mean gaps on the chart, I mean, are we going to see, you know, rotation, small caps, mid caps? And are people going to go out and sort of fill the gaps? And do we need them to fill the gaps for the indexes to go higher? We're not stock pickers. We're not long short equity guys. We're global macro guys. And so we try to look at structural shifts in various uh, countries, policies, and all that other kind of stuff. So I, I don't like this up only environment. It makes it extremely difficult because um, you know when you're involved in relative value trades uh, and everything's going up, it's very hard to pick one, what what to short. Yeah, yeah, see, I said, think I, I think that I think uh, you don't really have a handle on where this is going. I mean, in the world we're headed to, all you need is your AI which is NVIDIA, and then that AI will be trading cryptocurrency for you, and you will just be <laughs> in a... For you, yeah. yeah, it'll ju you'll just be like, experiencing the world through your Apple headset. So you basically need Apple, NVIDIA, and crypto. That's everything. And I want to ask you, are you overweight N NVIDIA over and beyond its S&P weighting? Or are you... Uh, where yeah, are you so, compared so to... Uh, how much of your fund is NVIDIA? So we've been, we've been in a pair trade now since last October, which is long NVIDIA... Uh, short Tesla, uh, short Apple, short Google, long Facebook. It's up about 30%. In terms of 
fund positioning, what does the net asset value account for? Several million, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I left the, for the, the I, I left the trading area to come talk to you guys. Are you fading Google because of the uh, wokeness of its AI? <laughs> no, no. It, it's just, you gotta be, if you're, if you're going to be involved in high flyers at all, I think you need to, I don't know that trade. I don't, I honestly, I can't tell you half the reason I can tell you whether trades are working out. Oh, and Amazon, we're long Amazon. We just think Apple is the underperformer here. And Tesla, I think Tesla's basically should be trading at zero. It has a cult following. It's the ultimate meme stock. Uh, the people who worship Elon and all that. And the fundamentals are just terrible. So the biggest winner in the pair trade is actually short Tesla, believe it or not. It's not long NVIDIA. <laughs> and I think I've heard we... That, yeah. I've heard to take that Tesla is in trouble basically because Elon had to pledge so much stock because of Twitter. And because the Twitter thing is so underwater, then that means he's going to dump this Tesla or like he's got to get yeah. just out of a bunch of it. I, is that basically the thesis? No, I, I, I don't like bank shots like that. Whenever, whenever something is as complicated as what you described, it's not for me. I think that the broader market, the, the general consensus is that uh, Cheeto Jesus is going to return to power. And Cheeto Jesus does not like electronic vehicles. And I think that that's, it's been hard for, even though Cheeto Jesus and Elon are aligned in their insanity, um, it's been hard for people to be like, oh, we're going to continue these EV subsidies when we get Cheeto Jesus back to tear it all down. And that I think is, if you look at the governance too, and also Tesla's a really shitty product. I mean, I've been consistent since 2021. I think Tesla's a zero. I'm an always short, te I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a short Tesla maximalist. Hey, I got a question for you. Everyone has been saying that because this Bitcoin ETF uh, now exists that, you know, institutions and, you know, sort of like the TradFi market participants in general are now going to come and, and start buying up Bitcoin. Are you guys going to put Bitcoin into your uh, portfolio now that you got the ETF and you can just get in? Oh, we've been long Bitcoin for buy. forever. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So you, no. you are you going to trade it through the ETF or are you using the futures still? No, we've been long the futures since like twenty thousand. I, I don't. Okay. I, 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 yeah. I guess people thought I was posting that just sort of out of theory or something like that. But no, I mean, I, I, I we've got we have a eighty six thousand dollar price target over twelve month period since last October. I don't remember exactly where we entered the trade. Just sort of forget it, forget about it. As a weighting of the total portfolio, it's like two percent. It's not a huge amount. Just because I don't want to explain to people. You know, there's still the shame factor of Bitcoin in among traditional investors. But um, I thought this whole time, given the geopolitical backdrop, that, you know, sort of gold would put in a better performance. And I can't figure, I'm still, I mean, basically, if we could recreate the sort of lost podcast, how, how we form that thesis about being long. Bitcoin is a very traditional approach to trading futures, which 
And that's where I kind of got a little heated about short covering rally uh, and Bitcoin and all, all this other kind of stuff. And we've been looking at a consistently rising open interest. So for all of 2021, all of 2022, and all of 2023 almost, there's a stable amount of market participants in Bitcoin. Open interest in the futures was like fixed at 11,000. And keeping in mind, there has to be one long and one short. And we started to see that change sort of last October. That combined with experience in natural gas, which is you needed someone like Sam Bankman Fried, the legendary crypto guy, to be flushed out of the market. You go back to 2011, natural gas hits a record low of the day, the best natural gas trader in the history of mankind. Justin Arnold gets out of the market. Bitcoin has been the most traditionally classic tradable asset, cyclical commodity uh, that I've ever seen. It's, 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 and I'm like, I feel like so much time could have been saved if people would have just said, okay, forget all this other stuff. Um, is this a commodity or forget currencies, forget El Salvador, forget all of that crap and just looked at it like a traditional, the way we approach crude oil and the positioning around crude oil. We're, we're long cotton right now, but we're nervous about it because speculators are nine to one long, which means that commercial hedgers have to be nine to one short to take out of the balance. Everything has to be balanced. That's why you can't really have a short covering rally and derivatives, which is the point I was sort of trying to make. I'm also very supportive of the idea that, you know, if, if moon cycles work for you, trade that. But I just wanted, you know, I think my role here is to explain traditional finance side of the crypto part and maybe offer some insights into what we're trading and all of that other kind of stuff. So I got kind of heated there for a little bit, but I was just kind of like, not a short covering rally. You can't have, you know, uh, $134 million worth of weird Bitfinex features get you to the retest of the all-time Bitcoin high when you have a trillion dollars to move. Um, I do think it's interesting, like we've seen the Bloomberg terminal switch from quoting the price of Bitcoin as a something else to, it's now just in a currency. You can analyze it just like a currency. So there are 325,000 users of Bloomberg terminals worldwide currently who now see this as alongside the euro, alongside the, the uh, so it, it exists as a currency as well for a lot of people. For a lot of people, but we've had a consistent and persistent rise in open interest, which is sort of 1970 uh, soybean market. When you see a rising open interest, that's typically bullish for the underlying commodity. And that was the point we made on sort of the last podcast. Now we're at about 30,000 open interest, but hedge funds are net short um, and uh, I don't know why that is. And I they're think, not short Bitcoin or what? Yeah, they're not short the big, the big, big Bitcoin contracts. Uh, I think it's a, it's sort of two to one. And so, to be clear, what, 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 what the part I wanted to drive home was there's a difference between 
a true short squeeze and then people being quote unquote offsides. And then if a bunch of people right now are, are long, you know, if, if, if hedge funds are nine to commodity hedge funds, not every hedge fund does this obviously, but if commodity hedge funds are, are long cotton nine to one, at some point you can, if you tip that balance in any of these trend following systems, if you tip that balance, then they become the incremental seller because everything has to balance out. The book has to balance out. As to, as to why this still has sort of currency vibes, there is no one price of Bitcoin. There's Bitcoin in the future. There's Bitcoin for future delivery. There's spot Bitcoin. Now there's an ETF, which has different constructions and different compositions. There's physical Bitcoin, which is a tiny market relative to the overall supposed market cap and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, given this geopolitical backdrop, would you rather be, you know, something that you can access easily like Bitcoin or fucking gold? Gold is stupid. Gold is dumb. I don't understand gold. It's supposedly an inflation hedge. Well, if that's the case, you know, inflation is supposedly coming down. I haven't seen the price of anything drop, but whatever. Then it should be trading at like five thousand or something. If everyone's looking to hedge out the inflation risk, then gold should be at like five thousand. And um, anyway, yeah, I've I've been really that. surprised that gold uh, has. I mean, you know, it made it broke the all time high, and then uh, it's just sort of sat there. <laughs> the futures did. I don't know if the bullion did. There's there's an argument you can make that over owning gold. You know, when did it make sense to own gold during the tech crash, and then. But you have to sell it at some point to generate a backwards yield and an inert metal and an inert space on the blockchain doesn't generate any income. And the majority of people who are investing capital are trying to generate passive income, right? And so the majority of financial assets are in debt instruments that provide a cash flowing yield, right? And obviously, Bitcoin doesn't cash flow and gold doesn't cash flow. But, and I've said this over and over and over again. And there are a lot of people who are sitting on uh, risks that they don't quite understand because if you're going to hold to forever or you're going to hold based on a doubling and you're going to be a seller at 120000 or something like that, you feel very wealthy right now. But until you convert that back into dollars, those are unrealized gains. And you have to protect those just like you have to avoid loss. Like risk exists on both sides, type thing. Does that make any sense, by the way? The, yeah, I, I think I, I think I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, you, you can you can have your stock portfolio go up thirty percent this year. It hasn't gone up until you sell it. Those are unrealized gains, and so people will do will feel better. And that's where we think that you know our theory of the case is that markets are always self reinforcing. You know, the if you feel better about stocks because your portfolio is going up, you're more likely to buy more of it. If you're looking down your you get your statement from your broker and everything's down, you're not you're not looking to 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 add to that. And so it's sort of a self-reinforcing cycle. That's how you get into bubbles. People look at things and they go, Oh, this is overvalued, but I think I can get there, get in and get out before it all comes crashing down. People were aware there were committees formed in 1929 about what are we going to do about this out of control stock market. People had an awareness that they were in a bubble, but they sort of couldn't stop themselves type thing. Um, and so 
it's hard to argue that you're in a bubble right now when NVIDIA is trading at 35 times and Cisco at the peak was trading 134 times. It's hard to say that this is analogous to the dot-com bubble and all that other kind of stuff, which has been a lot of what the commentary has been. So it's, yeah, you're but, sounding pretty okay. bullish now. I mean, I think the last... I'm not. Over the summer... So, you, so you're saying we're at fair value or you're saying the banking stuff is going to catch up with us soon and the lending is going to trickle down. Like what's your overall macro view now? No, it's, it's, well, my overall macro view is that let me give a lot of the stuff that, that we get on and why I request Hasher to post so much doom is the charts that he's showing are extremely misleading. And it's the kind of stuff you see on FinTwit. And you actually have to look closely because a lot of times it's like a rate of change chart. Credit card delinquencies are not rising. They're just going back to normal. There was just an abnormally low period of credit card delinquencies during the 2021-2022 period. And consumer behavior seems to be incredibly strong. In fact, we, we, we look at like, oh, the Fed you know, kept rates restrictive for so long, something is going to break. That's what you hear over and over and over again, right? Well, yeah, well, I mean, I remember when they hiked to 2%, you know, whenever it was like late 2021, 2022, and everybody was like, well, it's impossible for them to go to 5% or else like the whole world will end. And, you know, I mean, could still happen, but so far nothing has happened really. Right. And I mean, anything, the only thing that really happened from the rate hikes was, um, blowing up SBF, right? <laughs> yeah, perhaps blowing up SBF. I don't really know. I, I think, though, that Bitcoin is a leading indicator of consumer, consumer health. In other words, how much do people think they have YOLO bucks is a great leading indicator of consumer health. And the consumer, I don't think, has the capacity to uh, drive up or, or, or just be some kind of like massive credit card defaults. Who cares? I mean, it's like a trillion dollars. It's like a commercial real estate thing. I mean, they may take a lot of regional banks down with them, um, particularly private held regional banks, but who cares about that? What does that have to do with the price of NVIDIA? So let me ask you this. The, um, this is the first time I've heard you talk about trading individual stock names. I, is that someone else in your fund who handles that? Is that a uh, Vili who's, who's doing that or like how, yeah. how did you get dragged into the, uh, stock no, it was, game? No, it's my, it was, we, we do, we do individual stocks. If we think if stocks, so without going back to the history of my life, was a long short equity guy and then backed ourselves in the global macro. Cause we were like, we're just long, Freeport because we were bullish on copper. So just go trade the damn copper. And I think that's been the whole story here too. People trying to do these, you know, ancillary trades of Coinbase and whatever. If you think the price of Bitcoin is going up, go on Bitcoin. And so we back. I think, I think it's actually really popular in the crypto sort of space for someone to, you know, be like, okay, uh, my friend told me Bitcoin's going up or whatever. Um, let's go buy Dogecoin or let's go buy right. Solana or le- like, you know, because it's everyone's sort of trying to. Uh, oh, yeah, I was in uh, actually ETH Denver is going on right now. Last year at ETH Denver, I was in the Uber 
And the guy, uh, I was like, yeah, man, uh, you know, I'm here for this crypto conference, like whatever. And he's like, oh, you know, I got crypto. I'm like, okay, yeah. Like, what do you do? He's like, oh, I only, like, only thing in my portfolio, my entire portfolio is XRP. And I was like, okay. And he was like, yeah, because, you know, with Bitcoin, all you can make is like, you know, double your money. But with XRP, I'm going to, you know, 10x, 100x my money or, you know, that, that's what, so I feel like that's really prominent in the crypto uh, ecosystem that like it's no one. It, it, it's an investor yeah. behavior you see everywhere. And, yeah, yeah. you know, you saw these, uh, everybody was looking at their Bloomberg terminals, looking at NVIDIA's top customers, NVIDIA's top suppliers. And it's just like, no, dummy, just get along in video and, and be, be, you know, they're looking for the catch-up trade. And that's one of the things that we're just trying to tease out right now is, are these other things going to catch up, like real economy stocks? Are they going to play catch-up? But just to close the loop on asking about single stocks, um, uh, there are times when single stocks rule the entire market. In 2012, the most influential indicator for buying and selling oil futures was the price of Apple. I mean, every app, every oil trader had Apple on their screen and was sort of like passively trading oil. And so there are these times when stocks become global macro assets, essentially. They become commodities. The, the funny thing about stocks, though, is they're never in shortage. You can go somebody will sell you NVIDIA for a price. There are times in commodities where you where you go lock limit up or lock limit down. We saw it recently on orange, orange juice, cocoa, where you're locked into a trade and you're stuck either short or long for potentially six weeks and you can just basically blow up an entire account. So stocks never really are in scarce supply, right? You can find, you can go down to Edward Jones and they'll sell you any amount of mag stock seven mag mag seven stocks that you want whereas commodities have real shortages and so we we tend to think that that commodities are driven by fear so if you see a rally in oil somebody's afraid of something they're not they're not looking to try to make money if you see a rally like this in in cocoa you know, that's, they're afraid of what's been going on the, in the Ivory Coast. Whereas stocks tend to be speculative instruments that are driven by greed. And I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm bold up uh, with Savi. I'm just like, I see no reason to fight this tape. The positioning as far as, and these guys don't move markets, but the positioning of CTAs was an all-time bearishness last October. And so we went long uh, equity futures, did really well. And now it's at a, a record, they've, they've flipped long. Now they're record long. And so it's like, eh, you know, there's just, there's, you can't, you can't argue that we're, I don't think you can confidently argue that this is the top. Although I do think sophisticated investors have on their sort of in the back of their mind, in the front of their mind, that the all-time high in the S&P was on an inflation-adjusted basis is 5,282. And so, you know, we breached we the key psychological level of 5,000. 
and people were reporting all-time highs, all-time highs this. It's not, right? It, on a place-adjusted basis, that occurred in um, 2022 at 5,282. That's one of the things we've been trying to figure out. Is there, you know, we got all of Japan. I mean, we've been long Japan since last June, and we just sold out of it as we reached this, you know, key psychological level and uh, been a tremendous performer for us. And I think we got the trend sort of early. And one of the things we realized is that, you know, Zilli had the ski trip planned to Japan. We started hearing about people going to Japan more at the value of the yen is weak. So it was cheap for them to go. And that's not dissimilar to the, to, to the way the dollar was weak. And we had a pretty durable bull market in 2013. And then the dollar strengthened and all this other kind of stuff. So, you know, it's interesting to look at like, what is Bitcoin priced at in yen terms? What is Bitcoin priced at in euro terms? And you, yeah, when you start, apparently it's been breaking a lot of uh, all-time highs in different currencies recently, actually. Right. So when you start to get into that level of analysis, I think it's really easy to put on trades that are so complicated you don't even know what you're doing anymore, right? So you're trying to like, what, read Bank of Japan's statements, which are, you know, a lot of people don't know this, uh, but the Bank of Japan is more like the Supreme Court where you have, you know, they vote and the majority rules. And in the United States, it's just about Powell. Uh, the other people weigh in, but he makes the decision. And so they look for, they try to reach a consensus, but it's not a voting thing. And it's unlikely that a Fed chair is going to go against all the other members, but he can. And Volcker did. And Powell worships Volcker. So, you know, and now Powell, despite, you know, whatever happens in the election, he's still in there for another year. I don't know if presidents can fire Fed, the Fed chairman, maybe, but he's still, he's thinking in terms of legacy. And I don't really think we're going to get any rate cuts this year. That's our base case. And I don't really think the market cares. It was sort of like, I saw this really funny tweet in the special election in New York that this guy won, this Democrat to place that George Santos nutcase. And somebody tweeted, it's almost like the voters in that district want Joe Biden to get more old. Right. And it's almost, you know, it's, we're pricing in these rate cuts we did an enormous pull forward. Everyone came to the same conclusion uh, at exactly the time that mutual funds were resetting their fiscal calendar, i.e. November 1, October 31. And everyone came to the same conclusion that the 10-year yield going from 5% down to 4% relatively quickly meant all clear to buy equities. And it's almost like if you look at the price action, you know, stocks would like the Fed to, to increase rates, Right. So, you know, what, what everything's worried about, what the market's worried about, the wall of worry that's climbing or whatever, you don't get rewarded or necessarily punished when something doesn't happen. You do, typica, uh, you do typically get, uh, you know, sh- strong reactions uh, when something unanticipated happens, when, when inflation turns out not to be in trans- uh, transitory or whatever. But the whole idea that we price in these raise cut, rate cuts and that people are going to, we're not going to have rate cuts by a certain date and people have got this date on their calendar 
And that's when they're going to start dumping NVIDIA stock, I think is just stupid. What about this banking system stuff? You've got the bank term funding program ending in March. I remember earlier you were hearing from bankers that you know that you know loans are drying up. Are you concerned about credit conditions and the banking system? Yeah, great question. We were actually discussing, we had a lengthy discussion and Billy's out of the office when she was on here. But we had a lengthy discussion about this earlier and talking about, you know, our theory about why markets do what they do is less earnings driven, more sentiment driven and liquidity. Now, if you're if you're looking for liquidity to be the uh, just the Fed, you're just trade, you know, as I was complaining to you guys numerous times on this podcast, I didn't sign up to trade, you know, the Fed market. I didn't, you know, <laughs> there's a Fed obsession, right? And if things are, 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 if you're in a bull market, you shouldn't just be trading on what the Fed is going to do. And then that's where the spacing guild comes in, has, has generated more buy and sell signals for me than anything. Because all of a sudden, Jock is pony or whatever is getting these credit card offers. And I'm like, somebody's providing liquidity to the system. I don't know who. It doesn't have to be the Fed. And, you know, nobody, we've just been through an earnings season. You know, small caps didn't fall apart because they can't refinance their debt. And I think it's the consumer. I don't know who's providing a bid for it. I think the answer is, is the fixed income market is grabby right now. You're having CL, double B CLOs, 25 oversubscribed. Well, they were 10% cheaper in October and nobody liked them. And I think it's, uh, you know, if you're the boomers, they're, they're chasing fixed income right now and junk bonds and stuff like that. And so you don't need the Fed to provide liquidity into the system as long as you have a group or a subset of market participants who are acting like the Fed. So rate cuts this, rate cuts that, but but, but the price action, and, and I would challenge listeners or whatever, use technical analysis and price action to back yourself into a fundamental thesis. Don't do it the other way around. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I think, you know, there's this trend in weight loss drugs. Well, people became also aware it's, that's why this sort of self-reinforcing concept. I became aware of a weight loss drug. I'm on the 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 whatever it's called, the Mojaro, because you were long Eli Lilly stock, right? And what has been doing really well, Eli Lilly stock. And so I started taking it, and then I'm creating uh, the earnings for Eli Lilly, right? And so there's a self-reinforcing mechanisms that markets have where you don't have to know everything about them to recognize when, if you want to be a good trader, you want to know what it is. You want to know when it is happening. And that's all your tasks sort of to do. And so anyway, there's just this, like the whole, I mean, everything in the price of Bitcoin has looking back and, you know, hindsight's 2020, but it's been incredibly predictable. There was a, an early wave of dreamers who thought that, and and this has been a little bit disappointed to me about, you know, sort of the 
the promise of DeFi and DAOs. We can get to that in a second. But- it's, it also uh, it also follows this four year cycle super well, and everyone just constantly fight. Oh no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. But it's just like no, it actually it just does. Like just right. And and what else does yeah. follows a four year cycle? Refiners. What follows another four year cycle? Oil. Uh, natural gas, not natural gas, natural gas is a weird one, but, but, but we have four year cycles in monetary policy. We have four, college lasts four years, high school lasts four years. There's something about four years and you, you know, you were four years, we're at the four, four year event this March of a 0809 like moment when stocks corrected, financial conditions corrected, you know, everybody sold everything, right? And four years after that, if you go back to where were we in S&P and me and Tom Lee, I think in 2013, we're the only people who are like, this isn't overvalued. It's going to, it's got room to run from here. And, you know, the stock market would go on to sort of double over the next four years. So you're, you have these, these events and there's something about that four year cycle across all assets and across life, right? Middle school's four years, high school's four years, college is four years. And yeah, it's a totally cyclical commodity. And I made the case that I don't, if you want the price of Bitcoin to go to 120,000, you absolutely do not want increased adoption because increased adoption, if, you, if you're paying for your McDonald's and Bitcoin, in every technology, as it becomes more readily available, uh, it becomes cheaper. The first CD players were $1,000. Now, I, I don't even know if Radio Shack exists, but if you're still trying to buy a CD player, you know they went down to like 50 bucks, right? Um, and so I think the sweet spot for Bitcoin has been that it's not been widely adopted. And it's also sort of the sad part to me because the whole thing that I seized on that, 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 that really, it was the idealism of all of this, right? It's the, and, and then I know people who are at DAOs and, you know, the democratization of finance. I mean, that's so, that's, that, I love democracy. I'm a democracy maxi. And then most people I know with DAOs, it's turned into some form of food fight where, you know, it's, it's like, the people who started it are pissed and, you know, whatever. And we always see this, like, like look at Russia, it switches over to democracy and then comes to being a autocracy. And, um, you know, democracy is yeah. messy. I think the, I think something about Bitcoin is, um, you know, I mean, if you go look at the history of the stock market, right, it's up only, right, over, over hundreds of yeah. years or whatever very uh, misleading so, yes. on that though depends on when you yeah, buy well because well because again you um you're pricing it against the dollar right and and so then there's inflation and, and survivorship like, bias survivorship bias 100 of every stock exchange oh, yeah that's the, true yeah because of the index yeah yeah well no but index is self-reinforcing we can get into indexology in a second but but just keep this in mind every single stock exchange has gone to zero in the history of mankind at one time or another, with the exception of the United States and the UK. So this idea that stocks yield 8% a year, okay, fine. That's true if you sell them, but they do provide you with no yield except for dividends, I mean, I guess. 
But this idea that stocks on average return 8% a year, that's total bullshit. You know, you bought, let's say you bought the second best year, 1999 in the NASDAQ. You broke even 15 years later, broke even, and then even negative because of inflation. And so we go in these periods of long dormancy. And the question really isn't about every time you hear the word AI, and I, and I can see this so clearly because I was around, you know, for the dot com and, and it became very fashionable. All these people were working in dot com related businesses that had no idea of what technology was. And it became very fashionable after that bubble burst for people to say, to sort of write it off and be like, I got dot bombed. And I think if you replace the word artificial intelligence with increased word or per, increased productivity, they're going to be a lot of people who get laid off from tech and they're going to say, I got AI. They didn't get AI. It's not a revolutionary technology. I can send you a link to an article about trading using artificial intelligence from 1998. It's just like blockchain has been around since 1974, not a new technology. But the way people treat it does become different over time. It is cyclical, right? And so... Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm well, also up. the price. I would say that the price is, you know, one of the best marketing uh, tools out there, right? So once people see, oh, Nvidia is going up, then they're like, okay, I want to get involved with that, and then they go, oh, well, so why? And then they're like, oh, it's AI. Okay, AI is the reason. Okay, let's go buy everything that has anything to do with AI. Like you know, so it's like this this readjustment of their attention, just like you were saying in 2012, everyone's attention was on Apple. Right. And so, you know, you, you have to pay attention to Apple. And so it's like NVIDIA has just taken the brain space away from people. Everyone's focused on it. Everyone's making up one, one, um, one thing I did notice that is, uh, when NVIDIA was at like a hundred or, or like a chat GPT, cause I, you know, I've, I use chat GPT all the time. It is, it is a useful tool. Um, uh, it is the new thing, right, that came out. But when NVIDIA was at $100, everyone that I heard was talking about why it shouldn't be there and it should be lower. And now that it's at 700 everyone's talking about why it should be there and should be higher. And, like, coming up with all these, ra you know, rationales about, oh, yeah, no, it, it, it needs to go, you know, to 1000 or or, you know, everybody... After the earnings, everybody adjusted their uh, their price targets to like nine fifty or eight seventy five or whatever, right? So, and you know, I guess they go and try and base it on price to earnings and et cetera, et cetera. But you know, uh, is is the entire world about to be like? Is everyone about to have sixteen Nvidia cards in their house? Like, probably not. At some point, like people got the cards and and. Uh, you know, I guess the anticipation is that, yeah, somehow every McDonald's in the world is going to have, you know, NVIDIA cards in it and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> right. It's just me, selling, like, selling picks and shovels. It's the picks and shovels. Let me ask yeah, you this. And it's talking like about the self-referential yeah. self uh, feedback loop. I have posted in the Discord some about the uh, Nancy Pelosi diamond hands trading challenge just yeah, this yes uh, i totally misread that i want to apologize to you wasabi because i went on a rant and i didn't understand i didn't understand what you were talking about you were like hey uh i thought i thought this whole nancy pelosi meme that comes out of unusual 
whales and everyone seems to follow that. I thought that what was being alleged was that basically you had a the Speaker of the House trading on insider information. All she's doing is she's disclosing what her husband's doing. Her, her husband's a traitor. So if the allegation is, is that Nancy Pelosi has pillow talk with her husband, and blah, 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 blah. Look, the CHIPS Act, which provided $50 billion, got passed in 2021 or 20, early 2022. And so policy drives outcomes. And you've got you know government infrastructure spending that is putting that is is GDP right now, and um, so I, I miss I misunderstood what where you're going with that. So yeah, so sorry so I'm about not, that. I'm way. not alleging. I do think it's a funny meme, like the Nancy Pelosi diamond hands trader meme. But what I have noticed is, you know, there was this last week there was news that Nancy Pelosi or her husband or whatever her disclosure had disclosed options in uh, Palo Alto Networks. Yep. And that in that, I mean, how do you feel about the market movingness of individual options positions? Because I looked in those options and, you know, it's just so illiquid for some of these like, OK, an option like a year out. And that stuff has the potential to move markets a lot more than just if she had bought like 500K or a million of the underlying, because then the market makers have to, you know, hedge and buy more. And so like, the idea of these disclosures becoming a rallying point for more um, just in the same way there was like a GameStop or like these kind of like meme stock trades uh, come in, like the idea of the Pelosi option disclosure becoming like a meme rallying point. That's something I'm paying a lot of attention to is, is, is all I'll say. Yeah, no, I think, look, unusual options activity is something that equity traders and investors paid a lot of attention to. You see it in the commodity space. There was 25,000 long uh, options that no one could figure out who it was or what price in the commitment of traders reports and oil. And I think it helped provide a floor for oil. Oil should probably be priced around 50 or $60. There's geopolitical risk in there. But one of the reasons I think we didn't get into the low 60s and the 50s was the existence of this very large options position that 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 people naturally have a sort of conspirational sense about financial markets that like everyone knows something they don't. And yeah, I actually um, I had a really good trade on Nvidia because I've become friends now with some people at uh, different crypto crypto options exchanges, and um, somebody told me that there was like some you know bear whale. Ethereum bear whale that was like just like selling so many calls. I'm, I mean, I'm talking like, like you know, against 100,000 plus Ethereum at like a couple different strikes. And I was like, all right, we're, we're this guy's getting getting a little over his skis here. And uh, sure enough, the price rallied almost perfectly to that 1700 level that he had sold most of his calls at. And then it chilled there for a while. Yeah, but that's just an income generating strategy. If you're saying I want to be long Ethereum for forever, then write calls against it. You may get called away, but that's an inc- if you went down to your local Edward Jones office or Morgan Stanley or whoever these financial advisor people are, and you said I've got a basket of stocks, and well, I, yeah, I exactly. Wanna- no, that's what I'm saying is like I knew that this guy's not going to sell. 
Right. And so, you know, the natural thing is there's just like space in the market now. You know, all, all you need is a few buyers to come in and start. Yeah. And this is why I don't like activity. options. And, and this is a really key point. If, if there's one thing, you know, I, I, I just want to educate the most people I can about my worldview, whether it's right or wrong, is that options are designed to lose money. They're a hedging mechanism. And so, and it's why I don't like options. I'm, I'm like, you know, we traded in and out of and several times, Marathon Digital, but we didn't do so via options. It's a very volatile stock. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to let add vol, add inherent leverage to something that's moving all over the place all the time, right? And so when you're when you're when you're when you're playing with options, just know that they're des, they, they were created to lose money to hedge out risk. And it, so if you're saying also, you can, they're also often overpriced too. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, so it's like, it's like if you're saying you can make mo- you can make money in an instrument whose very existence is to lose money, that's a very bold claim. And you know that's great, but all the options traders that I know, at least equity options traders who do it for a living, they're like venture capital guys. I mean, one out of ten make money or something. I mean, you just have to deal with the constant mental drain that you're going to be losing a lot. And I don't, I, I, I don't have the mental fortitude to be that guy. But I think, I, think, I, think, I think the most helpful thing we could do for listeners right now is, is, is say, okay, not necessarily predict the future, but what now? Okay, so you, you've been long Bitcoin this whole time, or you just got long Bitcoin. You know, it's, odds are you didn't buy it exactly at 15,000, the most recent low. But where do you take profits? Because again, until you've sold this stuff, you don't you have many money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't take some stuff off the table right here. I mean, it's for you know, for me, like I almost exclusively only trade Bitcoin, and so you know, it's it's extremely important for me to make sure that I have some cash so I can buy it when it gets cheaper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, how, I get that a lot of our People are not, you know, uh, they don't do this for a living and they're just looking for some something that, you know, will, and then will stay in trades longer. But Bitcoin is a, is a, is a trading instrument and it, and it needs to be sold at some point. And for me, that was the test of the, the all-time high. And then log out, reevaluate, and see if we can push this thing higher i think we probably do take it out i have an eighty six thousand dollar but price target to, to go yeah to go back to like the one point we were making about the mcdonald's sure. like bitcoin and mcdonald's you know when, when they after they install the video cards <laughs> is that it's it's not the price of bitcoin versus the dollar that would go down it's the price of bitcoin versus the hamburger that would go down right because now people can spend their bitcoin on hamburgers right right? where you know so i could i could see a future where the the value of bitcoin relative to the dollar continues to go up but the you know the value compared to a house compared to a car compared to starts to level off and maybe even start to go back down yeah i mean the price bitcoin price this is where i was just kind of ranting about bitcoin maxis because their whole theory of the case was 
Fred, Fed printing go were dollar become worthless. Now they're like dunking because they can sell their Bitcoin back to that fiat worthless currency. <laughs> it's just like, it's just, it's just, it's just like, it's, you, you just want to take your head and bang it against the wall. You could have traded Bitcoin for entirely different reasons, made tons of money in it without believing that the value that the US dollar was going to collapse and collapse against what? The value of the dollar doesn't change against itself. The value of Bitcoin doesn't change against itself. It only changes in its cross. Like right now, you know, you can, the, the only trending currency that I can find is like the Swiss franc versus the, I don't know, something. And it's been trending for two years in this perfectly lower left, upper right uh, thing. But, you know, doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a fundamental view or you believe this, that, and the other about the Swiss franc or this is going to drop or that's going to rise. It's just like, I, I, I just think this whole thing, if you could go back and replay it all over again, it's just a lot more fun and it's a lot more profitable if you didn't need the, the, the doom case in order for this thing to thrive. You just didn't need all that noise. You didn't need you know, Luke Gromman to tell you that there were going to be in the, the internet chicken telling you <laughs> that there were going to be sovereign defaults to be long Bitcoin, because guess what? No one's defaulted on any debts. Uh, I mean, maybe Pakistan has or something like that, but you know what I'm saying? So well, I was you didn't say, isn't China, isn't that what's happening in China? Like all these collapses that are going on. What's happening in China is known only to people like in China, one of the, the the reason why China cannot it can represent a systemic threat to certain industries, and one of the things we've been long because we do believe China's sort of oversold is Australian stock index futures, and which reached uh, you know an all time high last night, and we sold out of the position because Australia is China adjacent. They're still the rule. They're culturally aligned with us, but they're economically dependent on China, and. One of the big key risks, people have completely misread what's going on in China. Remember, China doesn't allow foreign investors to invest in A shares. Um, so you have to use H shares, which are Hong Kong. And Hong Kong was a semi-autonomous democracy. Now, you know, China took it over uh, in 2017. So it's basically mainland China, but a little bit plus. And everybody's been to Singapore. That's a whole different discussion. But the reason why China's going down really doesn't have to do with population demographics and all this other kind of stuff. They're on war footing. There, there's at least people keep thinking about like, I don't want to be along Apple because China could attack Taiwan and that would disrupt the supplier uh, situation. And I'm like, you don't want to be long China because the lesson is you don't want to be long a, a stock market on a global aggressor, I mean, who the hell wanted to be along Russia the day before they attacked Ukraine? I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what their stock market is doing or whether they have a stock. I don't pay attention to that, but, but I'm just saying, like, the reason why there's been capital flight out of China by the Chinese citizens themselves is because they don't want to be, they don't, they don't want to attack Taiwan. That and you've got a guy in Xi Jinping. He's a committed Marxist-Leninist. He's a fucking real communist. And do you want to, you know, disappeared these billionaires and got rid of a lot of corruption, 
but move the corruption over to sort of the, the, the state party, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. That was the wealth transfer that took place. So China's underperforming because it's been hard to invest in China anyway. It's almost impossible to get your money back out. It's sort of the coin-based ecosystem of financial systems. And so you trade these proxies to China, and that's one of the, our big – when I got super bold up on Japan last June, it was because China was making – like if you look at Chinese commodity buying, the economy is supposedly terrible right now. But they keep buying oil like it's nobody's business, which has helped provi- – one of the reasons why I'm not in the 50s and 60s in oil. And the reason they're doing that is they're signaling to people, like they're signaling to Taiwan, we can attack you by, by force. We're stockpiling crude oil. And so <laughs> do you see what I'm trying to say? Does any of that make sense? So, and so people who had allocations to China still want to be around China. So those capital flows came out of China and the Hang Seng, and they found a home in Japan. And the Japanese domestic market, remember, that's an island nation with no natural resources and no racial tensions. It's an orderly society that's based on the collective good. There's a whole Netflix series about this, uh, a comedy about this Japanese expression. I forget what it is, but let's do it all together. It's a, it's a very cohesive society, in part because it only has one race, and it's an island. And when Japanese investors decide that they're going to get along their own stock market, they all do it together. And um, we, we saw some of this take place, like that rally in U.S. equities off the October lows this year happened all of a sudden, all at once. Everyone reached the same conclusion at once. That will happen to the downside, but when and why? What will be the thing that triggers it? And the answer is probably not the Fed didn't cut interest rates. I mean, it's really everyone just like, I'm invested in U.S. equities. If they don't cut by June, I'm just going to sell everything I have? No. Anyway, NASDAQ is on track for a record. The composite lease is on track for a record close today, as is the S&P, but not on an inflation-adjusted basis. Do you own any uh, Celsius? I don't even know what that is. Celsius is the uh, ultra caffeinated energy drink. It's like the new monster energy oh, drink. God. It's up twenty percent today on earnings. Oh yeah, these these oh, earnings oh. have been fascinating. Like the the pops that we've seen, and you know, well, we're, hey, we're I got to... a hard stop in uh, three minutes. So yeah, I think we 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 covered some some good shit, and I think uh, you know specifically if anyone listening still here. Uh, you can go watch my video from yesterday where I go over like the Bitcoin price chart history and, and a little bit more from a technical point of view, if, if anybody wanted more Bitcoin talk. But I think we this is a pretty good, uh, pretty good global macros uh, talk about, you know, where 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 everything is that Bitcoin is sitting inside of, you know. Yeah. OK. Yeah, I would just say right. this is not cool, a bubble. Yeah. Two, it's not a two more minutes bubble. and then let's wrap it up. It's, yeah, it's not a, it's not necessarily a bubble. Not necessarily this, that, and the other, but there is a shit ton of complacency. There just, there just is. And so the positioning, today's price action is tomorrow's positioning. I, I think this market has plenty of room to run, but it will correct, and it will be probably correct for a reason that no one is thinking about right now. And probably you want to be a, a sell a man go away type person and get ready for a volatile 
summer in anticipation of a crazy election. Awesome. All right, let's leave it there. Let's do this more often as we get closer to the uh, to the election. All right, sounds good. All right, cheers, guys. Later. Bye bye.